Amen. Thank you, Oscar. And uh, this morning, we are continuing in a message series that we kicked off last week called One Another, where we are looking at who we are to one another and how we are called by God to live um, in relationship with one another. And so if you were with us last week, you know we, we talked about how we in the church, we aren't just acquaintances, we aren't just random people passing by on different days. Instead, we are part of the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, united by the blood of Christ. And so uh, people joining us this morning, you can greet one another as brother and sister here in the live stream. That's who we are to one another. We are brothers and sisters. And this morning as we continue in the series, I want to talk with you about how we can grow the family of God. I want to talk about one thing we can do to grow our family, the the family we call Harvest Point, how we can help grow the family of God in our community, in our country, and in our world, how we can help introduce new people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to share with you one thing we can do. And, And this is important because we're living in a culture now where fewer and fewer people are just walking into the church on their own accord. Now, people, as you know, are kind of more distant from one another in many things. We have uh, many influences in culture, many things on our schedule and our calendars, and pulling us for our resources and for our time and for our energy. And so doing this one thing I think is really important. And the thing I want to share with you this morning, it's not a new class about how you can argue with people who don't believe in God and convince them to believe in God. It's not a new building project that we're announcing that's going to be beautiful that, you know, people drive by and are like, wow, I have to go check out that. It's it's nothing like that. Instead, it's actually something simpler, and it's something that I believe is also a lot more powerful. And so as we talk about this one thing this morning, I want to invite you to bow with me for a word of prayer Almighty God, this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Lord, would you speak through your holy word this morning? Would your Holy Spirit touch our hearts and shape us into the people you want us to be? We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the one thing I want to talk with you about comes to us from Scripture, and so if you have your Bible, if you have one at home, maybe you haven't taken it off the shelf in a while, it's a good time, go grab it, uh, or you can download the Bible app on your phone, it's a great resource, um, or, or just follow along with us on the screen here as we read God's Word together. We're going to be in John chapter 13 this morning. And if you're familiar with the 13th chapter in John, this is a, a time in Jesus' life where, where he knows the cross is coming soon. He knows he's soon going to lay down his life for his disciples, for you, for me, for the world out of love. And so he's sharing with his disciples some final words, some final actions some final things that are really important. And if you've ever been with someone, when they are about to pass away, you know that a lot of times they want to communicate 
an important message. And so I, I sometimes say it like this. Final words are of first importance. And here in John chapter 13, I want to point you to verses 34 and 35. We can pay attention to what Jesus says here. here here's what he says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then if you, if you stay there in John and flip over to chapter 15, Jesus continues his teaching here. He says this in verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask for the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And that's it. That's the one thing that I think if we do, if we get right as a church, if we love one another as Jesus Christ has loved us, then I believe the family of God will grow. And Jesus says here pretty clearly, he says, look, if you love one another, by your love for one another, he says, people will know that you are my disciples. And so we know from Jesus' words that people will know we're his disciples if we're loving one another. And if we look at church history, we also see something interesting that, that as people know we're his disciples, as people see us loving one another, then they will also want to become his disciples as well. They will want to become part of this community here. And there's a, there's a man named Alan Kreider. He has a PhD from Harvard University. He's taught church history uh, all over the world in different places. And he wrote a, a great book I've been reading this week called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. And in that book, he, he begins to argue how despite many obstacles, how, how despite persecution, how despite discrimination, how, how despite all these cultural forces working against the church in its first few hundred years, he writes about how the church became a diverse global movement of believers in Jesus Christ that began to transform cultures in our world. And it became a movement that now we are still part of today. And in his book, he says it wasn't, it wasn't the amazing worship services in the early church that really drew outsiders in. Because actually, in the first few hundred years, a lot of times church services were closed to those who weren't yet baptized. And so things like the Sacrament of Holy Communion, outsiders weren't opened up to that. And so people didn't come because of the worship services. He said, look, people didn't come because of these beautiful cathedrals that pointed them to God and his transcendence because actually a lot of times the early Christians, they were meeting in one another's homes in smaller settings. 
And he also says, you know, it's not because they had this great evangelistic program where they went door-to-door knocking and they really put an emphasis on reaching outsiders. He says, actually, in the documents we have, there's not a lot of talk about uh, the early church evangelizing people in the ways we often think of today. Instead, he says this. Instead, he says, the reason the early church grew was because of their distinctive life together. A life that was attractive to those outside of the church. And he says their life together was characterized mainly by one thing. And that thing was their love for one another. The love they had for each other that reflected Jesus' love for them. And there was another man who, who wrote a lot about uh, church history during these early years who was living during that time named Tertullian. And he said, he said that, you know, when the outsiders were looking at the early Christians, they marveled at them and they said, look, they're caring for children, they're caring for infants, they're caring for these people in a world where, where these children and infants don't have intrinsic value and they were oftentimes abandoned. The Christians were taking care of them and loving them. And he says, look, when, when the poor were often looked over and left to fend for themselves, the Christians were caring for the poor in their midst. When there were people who were sick, they weren't ignored or abandoned. Instead, the Christian community loved them and he said that the outsiders looking in at the church in those early days proclaimed one thing and this is what they proclaimed he said they proclaimed look how they love one another look how they love one another and I love that thought I love that line I love that phrase and you know what my dream for us as a church my dream for us as a church is that one day I go into academy over here, and I'm buying a UGA National Championship t-shirt, and I'm, I'm there in line, and somebody is talking about Harvest Point, and they're saying something like, hey, you know that church down on Simpson Mill Road? And of course, my ears would perk up, hoping they don't say anything crazy. Uh, but they would say, you know that church? They really love one another down there. They really love one another. That would be my dream. That would be my dream. That's my hope. Not so that we can build a bigger building or so that we can build a bigger name for ourselves. The reason I hope people in our community would look at us and say, look how they love one another is because when God's people love one another, others are pointed to God's love for them. When God's people love one another, other people are pointed to God's love for them. And that's ultimately what we want as a church. And maybe you're just turning in today and, and, and you never heard this from us, but I'll just tell you plainly right now. We believe God created you on purpose for a purpose. Despite our sin and brokenness, we believe God loves you and God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to come and to rescue you from sin, from darkness and death and give you an abundant life, a transformed life here and now, an eternal life with him and with God's family in the future. The reason I hope that we would love one another is so that our love would point other people to Jesus Christ and his reckless, unfathomable love for us. And now if you've been in the church, you know 
that this idea of loving one another is something, you know, we, we, we talk about. We try to live out, but, but you know that it can be hard. I mean, I, I found sometimes in the church that sometimes it's easier for me on a mission trip in Honduras or Guatemala or Nicaragua. Sometimes it's easier for me to love people who live a world away, who I don't know much about, who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes it's a lot easier to love them than it is to love people who come in the doors here on Sunday morning. And maybe you found that to be true. Maybe you found sometimes, you know what, it's easier to love somebody on a mission trip or a mission project than it is to love someone serving next to you at Return to Bethlehem or sitting next to you in worship or maybe the person sitting next to you this morning. Because it can be, it can be hard to love one another. Life can be, be messy. And, and church, even in church, church people, you know what? They can abandon us. They can betray us. They can gossip about us. They can, they can hurt us. And when that happens, the temptation is to become cynical, to become jaded, to kind of pull away from other people and from community and from love. But when we begin feeling that, Jesus is there whispering to us once again, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. And when we love one another, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard and we feel like people don't deserve our love, they haven't earned our love and we'd rather just just cross our arms and ignore people. When we lean in and we love them still, we reflect God's love to a world that is desperately in need of it. And these challenges of loving one another, I mean, they, these, aren't, these aren't new things. The early church they got it complicated too when, when they were trying to live it out. Some of those communities were living it out well and the outsiders were seeing them and saying, look how they love one another. And other communities were, were kind of struggling and people were like, that church is dysfunctional and complicated and I'm not sure if I'm gonna step foot in there right now, okay? That's just real. And so we have sections and different letters in the Bible, like Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, where, where they're writing, trying to help correct things, trying to help encourage people to love one another because their love has grown cold and there's bitterness and pride and other things taking root. And one of the most famous sections in this letter, he, he begins talking about love to this church, encouraging them to love one another once again. And this is a passage, maybe it was read at your wedding. If, if it is, let us know. This is a passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A lot of times it's read at weddings and we think about it in terms of, of couples who are madly in love with each other, who are just about to go on a honeymoon and, at the beach and have this beautiful time. But, but, but it's great for couples, but it's actually written to, to churches that are having a complicated time. A church that's having a hard time loving one another. And there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, Paul writes this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And here's that passage. Maybe it was read at your wedding. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I love this image of a, of a, of a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal that, that, that Paul Paul gives us here, and uh, fortunately for, for our, our church, we, we, have some, we have some symbols and stuff, uh, but I love this image that he gives because he basically says, like, look, you can, you can have amazing church services where the worship team is on key and there's just powerful Holy Spirit moments. You can be doing all sorts of outreach and, and, and loving your neighbors or, or trying to serve your neighbors in the community. You can, you can have small groups. You can have serve teams. You can host great Christmas events. He says, but if you don't have love, this is what it's like. That's what it's like. That's what people hear. Okay, I know I just just totally messed up your TV. Sorry. That's what it's like, he says. It's like a noisy gong. That's what the world hears when we're doing a lot of stuff here and we don't have love. But, but I also love this image that he gives us that's kind of like, it's kind of the flip of it. It's kind of implied here in this passage. And, and that's that, okay, if, if that's what it's like, a noisy gong when we're doing stuff without love, the flip side's also true that, that when, we, when we do have love, when we're serving one another with love, when we're, when we're living with, with love, when we're, when we're displaying that to the world, when love fills this place and fills our relationships, then, then it, he's kind of saying like instead of a noisy gong, it's, it's, it's almost like beautiful music to the world. And when I think about this idea, I think about this guy, maybe you've seen him around town. He is an electric violinist who plays at, at different shopping centers in town. I've seen him up at Walmart, at Hudson Bridge before. He's been at the Publix over here right by the church before. And he has an electronic violin, a little speaker system. And, and then what he does is he has a sign and he says, look, I'm, I'm playing for tips. And he just plays for hours in the parking lot. And, and Emily, my wife, can tell you that, that sometimes she gets annoyed because like if he's ever playing and I pull into the parking lot, I always draw near to him. I always walk up and I will just stand there for like 10 minutes in the middle of the parking lot just listening to this guy play beautiful electronic violin because I love the electronic violin and at Christmas he's just playing Christmas music and I'll send him a tip I'll talk with him because his music is beautiful to me and so whenever I see him I draw closer to him and that's what Paul is saying the church is to be like that when we are a community of love, we're almost emitting this beautiful music to the world and the world will want to lean in to draw closer and to be a part of what's going on here. And so Jesus, Paul and his letters, they, they tell us love one another. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And sometimes we can make 
love like a very mysterious thing. We can make it a super complicated thing. But, but when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, he, he's giving us some clues about, about what this love should look like and how we can live it out. And so it doesn't have to be mysterious or complicated. When we think about the love of Jesus, number one, we know it's unconditional. Jesus' love is unconditional. It is for each and every person. And he says that's how our love should be for others as well, without condition. No matter how they've treated us in the past, no matter whether we have an affinity to them or not, he says, look, your love should be without condition. Our love should be unconditional. If we look at Jesus' love, we see that it's sacrificial. Jesus laid down his very life for us on the cross. And I recently heard someone say this, that love begins where convenience ends. And Jesus' love, it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't a convenient love. It was a sacrificial love. And that's what he calls us to do for one another, to lay down our very lives out of love for one another. And then if we, we also look at Jesus' love, what we find is that it's not primarily characterized by emotion. Instead, it's characterized by action. Jesus' love is put into action. And so when he's saying, look, love one another, he's not saying conjure up warm fuzzies in your heart. He's saying serve other people. Do good to them. Seek their good and do whatever you can to serve them. He's saying put your love into action. I love, I love the way First John we find this idea there in verse 16. We read this. This is how we know what love is. If you are curious, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Love one another. And this week as I've been thinking about how we can help facilitate that as a, as a church, I've been thinking about, you know, a lot of times opportunities to love people come up organically. Maybe, you know, we're here on Sunday mornings, we're bumping into people we hear uh, about a loss in their family or a sickness. And so we have these kind of organic opportunities to love one another. And I, I think that's why it's so important to be connected in a, a connect group because it's, it's organic opportunities that come up over time to receive God's love and to express love and receive love from other people. But we also know that, that sometimes, you know what, life gets complicated and, and sometimes people are new to our church and they don't, they don't really know how to like ask for something they need or people, we don't really know what's going on in their lives or, or, or maybe you have a need in your life but, but like you don't know how to express it or maybe you're afraid of, of, of judgment if you open up and kind of risk vulnerability by sharing with other people. Sometimes we're, we're just kind of coming in here and out on, on Sunday mornings so quickly that that needs get missed. And so uh, I thought we'd do a little experiment. And the experiment will kind of start next week once we get back together. And uh, in the lobby, we're going to have 
what's called uh, a love wall. That's what I'm calling it. I just made it up right now, a love wall. That's the title. And we're going to have little, little paper hearts on there. And what we want to invite you to do is if you have a, a need in your life, a way that, that people in our church can show you love, we want to invite you to write the need on there and put your name and contact information on the back and just put it on there. And we want to invite you as a part of our church to, to browse those needs in the weeks to come. And if you have the gifts, the abilities, or resources to meet one of those needs, we want to invite you to take one of those hearts and express love to that person. So maybe, maybe your need, maybe, maybe it's a financial need, like maybe things are, are, are tough right there now and, and you need something financially. We, we want you to let us know. Maybe you have a need for encouragement. You can just put, hey, you know what, I, I need encouragement. Maybe you're new and you don't really ha- know anybody here and you want to say, look, I, I want to make some friends here at Harvest Point or I'd love to go out to lunch with somebody. Put that on there. Maybe you have a situation in your life and you're like, you know what, I just need wisdom. We probably have people here in this church who've been through that situation and they can share wisdom. Maybe you have a prayer request in your life. We would love to know so that we can love you in those concrete ways because Jesus concretely laid down his life out of love for you and for me and we want to lay down our love lives out of love for one another. And so that's going to be coming up in the lobby over the next few weeks. But then I also want to say don't don't wait till then. Don't wait till then because maybe you're watching with, with people in a room right now and God's calling you to love them. Maybe you you know people from 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 church you're connected over email or over text, check in with them. Just see how someone's doing this morning. Maybe you have a neighbor you haven't talked to or a neighbor in need. Love them. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. That's what we want to be about as a church. So that people might know the great love of our great God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Your love that we haven't deserved, we haven't earned. Your love that comes to us freely because of your grace. Would you pour out that love in our hearts this morning? Would you help us be people who receive your love? And then would you let that love flow through us to one another here at Harvest Point? But then would you not let it stay there? Would you continue to let it overflow into the community and beyond? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.